is January 14, 2021. You are listening to All Eyes on Cleveland. As your Cleveland Browns prepare for an AFC Divisional Round matchup against the defending Super Bowl champions. This is the Browns versus Chiefs preview edition with special guest Joe Valerio. We'll bring him on here momentarily. You start getting excited. It's all eyes on Cleveland. Yes, sir. Great job by Mikey off the top there. My name is Brad Ward, and you are locked in on All Eyes on Cleveland Live. Tonight is a very special divisional round, uh, two nights in a row. Tonight is the Chiefs and Browns matchup show. Very special guest. I'm going to bring him on here. His name is Joe Valerio. He is uh, the host of Believe in Chiefs podcast. And also, a former Chief himself, uh, offensive lineman from the Chiefs from 1991 to 1996. Welcome to the show, Joe. How are you? Um, Brad, thank you so much. I'm doing great. It's a pleasure to be here. I got to tell you, I'm, I'm prepared for this you know, show with you because I watched Believe Land uh, on Tuesday because uh, I wanted to get ready for this game in all realms, you know, in all aspects and possibilities. So I watched Believe Land. Love, love Cleveland. I think it's a great city. I think it's a great team. Last time I was there, 1991, November 24th, Municipal Stadium. You know, it was a, it was a very emotional game for Marty coming yeah. back there. You know, it's just uh, it's just a really and you know while I may host Believe in Chiefs, played for the Chiefs. I'm I'm an objective you know football fan, and I'm I'm ready to see a great football game uh, come come this weekend. Boy, we're hoping so, too. And as you can imagine, people around here are really, really fired up right now, Joe. And uh, it's a, it's been a long time coming, a lot of suffering uh, since since Marty was around. And uh, but let's let's go there. First of all, you watch Believe Land. Awesome documentary. We had the guy, Andy Billman, who made Ooh. that. He, he's been on the show here with oh, me. Oh, fantastic. So, I really yeah. enjoyed it because I, I wanted to get a flavor for – what the city has been through. And I, and I know, you know, you had the big win with the Cavaliers, we got some of the, the heartbreak with, with the, with the Indians, you know, it was, yep. just, it, was amazing. it was great to watch. I really, really enjoyed it. And of course, you know, close to my heart was the heartbreak for the Browns, you know, with, with Marty and that era. And then, and then the team moving, it just, it just gave me a really good flavor for what the city's been through. And I'm just, I'm really excited for, for the city of Cleveland for what they have built and for beating Steelers. That was a great win. Yeah, man. It was awesome. It was priceless. It was hard to believe, man, as a lot of demons, uh, uh, you know, shed that night, uh, last Sunday night. So people are really excited. Obviously, a tall task with the defending champs and chiefs, and we're going to get into that here. But first, I want to ask you a couple questions. Uh, as you are, uh, you went to Penn yeah. uh, yourself, an Ivy League uh, gentleman. The Browns front office is littered with Ivy League gentlemen these days. I got my I mug see- right here, a little late night cup, and, uh, the- you know, <laughs> myself caffeinated for the show. I got my pen mug. In honor of Coach Stefanski, and wish him all the luck this weekend. Exactly, and that's what I was going to ask you. So, Coach, you went to Penn. Coach went to Penn. You're both Quakers. Uh, so, uh, do you know Coach? Stefanski? I do know Coach. Yeah, and, and you know, if you know Coach, you know his family. The Stefanski family are Philadelphia legends. His dad was a local Philadelphia sports hero. Both high school went to Penn. Uh, you know, had an unbelievable run in the NBA. Was with the Sixers for what I think five or six years as their general manager. And yes, yeah, it's just the Stefanski family is uh, well, well known in Philadelphia, and and of course at Penn. And we're the whole Penn football family it couldn't be more excited for who I think should be coach of the year, and that's Kevin Stefanski. Yeah, me too. Me too, Joe. Uh, I, you know what he has done here has been nothing short of miraculous. You know, not just the winning. But the culture change that he has uh, brought about um, has been amazing in such a short period of time. It, I don't even know. I don't know how he did it. You know, you take 20 years of bad culture and losing and a lot of nonsense and chicanery and all the stuff that was going on with the Browns organization. And he cleaned it up and turned it around and, and, mm-hmm. and 
you know, you can see the evidence of the buy-in and the culture in one year, and it's pretty remarkable what he's yeah. done, Joe. He, he built a great offensive line. That's near and dear to my heart, right? I mean, yeah, absolutely. I think, I think it's one of the strengths of this team. I mean, I look at where where the Browns are from the run game perspective. You know, top five in the run game in yards, average yards per rush, touchdowns, uh, rushing touchdowns. I mean, what Blake Hance did that that's a testament to what he's doing. Yeah. That's a testament. Guy drives six and a half hours across the country from Jersey, shows up. You know, Baker Mayfield. <laughs> Meets him in the locker room before the game. He what a story! Plays. The game was like he 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 beat you know he, he manhandled the Steelers' best defensive lineman in that game. Yeah. So to me, that's a great sign of of things that come in this organization. And whether Blake starts this next game or not, I know he's going to have a great career in the NFL. But that's a sign of a Kevin Stefanski team, and that that was really exciting to watch. And that was near and dear to my heart as a former offensive lineman for sure. Yeah, it was tremendous. Uh, What him and Michael Dunn were able to do, you know, being called upon in that situation, uh, you know, no practice, nothing, and be able to handle Cam Hayward that way is absolutely – it was, you know – Hard to fathom, hard to fathom, really, really like how, he was, how they were able to do that. So pretty incredible stuff. All right, so you're listening to and watching All Eyes on Cleveland, uh, the podcast available where all popular podcasts are found. The simulcast is going out to YouTube, Periscope, and Facebook Live. Our special guest tonight, Joe Valerio. You can follow him on Twitter at JoeValerio73. Offensive lineman for the Chiefs, 1991-96, and now the host of Believe in Chiefs podcast, uh, joining us tonight to break down this matchup. Uh, Joe, um, so I wanted to ask you first and foremost, do you did you expect the, the Chiefs to be playing the Browns? Do you expect them to be playing the Steelers more than likely, right? Well, more more than likely, we we were thinking they were going to be playing the Ravens. I mean, in in all oh yeah, honesty, it would have been switched. That's right. In all honesty, that that was that was what what Jeff Fedotin, uh, my co-host and partner on Believe in Chiefs, we we were talking about all you know, kind of throughout the week, uh, did it on our podcast, and it was no meant no offense to the Browns. It just we just, but we did have conversations, and and you know that's one thing I love about you know the way the uh, way the internet works and the way things get captured for history. Right, you can go back and listen to some of our podcasts and talking about the AFC and what, 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 how we feel it's the best conference right now, for sure. As yeah. Teams as the most competitive teams. And we knew the Steelers were sliding and we knew that, that the, the opportunity was ripe for the Browns to come in and surprise them because, you know, they were hurting on defense. You know, they were, they, they just had had their struggles and I think the Browns took advantage of it. So I wouldn't call it a shock, but I would definitely say we were surprised. That yeah, we the Ravens and and the Ravens, you know, the Ravens scared us a little bit. Number one, and and it's the same reason the Browns scare us. We know that the Chiefs' Achilles' heel is how they handle the run game, and if a team can stay with them and keep uh, and keep you know Patrick Mahomes and his weapons off the field, and you can keep pace with that offense by winning the time of possession game by running and pounding. I'm telling you that that's what that's what the why the Browns are just as scary as as the Ravens when it comes to a team that can knock the Chiefs off um, because they they just they can own the time of possession with the run game they can keep Patrick off the field and therefore try to keep pace and if Baker can play well then you know he's got some weapons and bam you know it's a game and and the Browns are holding right there with with the defending champs. It's interesting you mentioned that um, is going to be one of my questions coming up here is I am kind of curious myself, Joe, and you tell me what you think. I, you kind of basically did, but so Stefanski um, and a lot of teams with the run game that they Browns have would try to play that. Let's keep it out of Mahomes' hands. Let's keep him on the sideline. Let's let's go with the run game and pound it. But really what the Browns have done more later in the season is – Teams have really geared up for the run, and they've jumped on them in the past game. Mm-hmm. You know, play action early in the game, jumping out to leads, and then going back to the run has kind of been the formula. So they did against the Titans. The, the Giants geared up for the run, and they went pass heavy early. So I'm just kind of wondering if, because Mahomes is so scary, if he'll go run right away, like, hey, we got to do this the whole game, try to keep it out of his hands, or if he'll try to – you know, do what he's been doing and jump, you know, play according to how Kansas City plays because I'm sure they're going to gear up for the run too. 
And uh, if he's going to try to take advantage of that and throw early and come back to it, if he plays, hey, thinks he can score with Kansas City, or if it's more of like, let's play keep away, you know what I mean? No, it's great analysis, Brad. I I think Coach Stefanski's, you know, in my opinion, my humble opinion, um, I think the best strategy is going to be try to see what they can get away with in the run game and then take advantage after that. that. I mean, that's that's what I would do if I were in his shoes. He's also the head coach of the, of the Browns, and I'm not. But we'll see we'll see what game <laughs> plan he puts together. But that would be watching this Chiefs team over time. You know, we you know I've been following them for, for a really really long time, having been a player there. Is that you know especially in the last two seasons, it takes a little while for Patrick to get warmed up. We know that. We've seen that. The Chiefs are not a great first-quarter team. He does most of his damage in the second and third quarter. And that, and if the Browns can own the game of possession or the time of possession uh, game during the first half you know, and keep him from warming up and keep you know, Eric Bieniemy, great offensive coordinator, and Andy, they work together so well to keep them from getting the playbook all in order – I think that gives the Browns a much better chance to really take advantage of the things that then they want to do, right? Then they get to control the narrative, right? And if the run game's going and they get Kareem Hunt rolling, hey, let's not forget, Kareem Hunt's going to be emotionally up for this game. And I don't care what anybody says, NFL players are supposed to be professionals. And, you know, every game, you know, we used to have an old saying in the locker room, the next game's, or sorry, the game, you know, the next game is the most important game because it's the next one, right? And I'm going to tell you, when you get in a game like this where you have something coming where the emotions are going to be high, as much as you can say we're all, you know, we're all professionals and we're going to treat every game like the next game, this is going to be a big game for Kareem Hunt. He's going to be ready to go. He's got a lot to prove, and I think that should scare the Chiefs fans a little bit. Yeah. Because he's going to be ready to play. So, you know, Kevin's got to take advantage of that, right? He's got to take advantage of what – what he can get away with cream. Cause we know that the chiefs, you know, weakness, you know, they're, they're not great against the deep ball, but I always see their biggest weakness is the same. They have the same weakness on defense that strength they have on offense. It's yep. the eight to 14, eight to 16 yard passing range. Oh yeah. Because that's, it, it's, it's so funny that on the flip side of the ball, it's their strength on offense, but it's also their weakness on defense. And if you get the if you get the run game going, then you start throwing some play action in there. You know, Baker's going to be able to take advantage of that eight to fifteen, eight to twenty. Or may, may not be able to get the deep ball and score the big one, but which we know he can. Mm. Sort of, you know, the, the probably one of the best football games, not just college or pro, best football games I've ever seen was a Texas Tech Oklahoma game. Yes, uh, and I watched that. You know, I watched the highlights of that too in preparation for this because I want to see I want to see that rematch. I can't. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. So I think I think that's what I think that's what they need to do. I think they need to pound the run. The Browns need to pound the run, see if they can take advantage of it, and then go from there. And that's where they should start, rather than starting vice versa with the pest and then seeing what they can get away with the run. That's just how I would do it. And again, again, yeah. I'm lineman, so I love to run the ball. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, we love to run the ball here in Cleveland, too, and, and certainly this year uh, has been uh, a lot of fun that way. So Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, you mentioned Kareem Hunt mm-hmm. and his, you know, it's kind of weird, and I, I wanted to mention this. I don't have this written down or anything, but you mentioned about him being, uh, uh, you know, fired up about this game and the emotional baggage that comes with it for him, um, feeling disrespected or whatever way he feels about right. uh, about it. Uh, but he certainly feels some sort of way because he's talked about it. And Nick Chubb even said in an interview, he's like, you know, a couple, like 10 games into the season, he started talking about us playing Kansas City. And and Nick Chubb's like, bro, they're not on the schedule. Right. <laughs> they're not even on the schedule. What are you talking about, right? And he's, he's, like, I, he's like, I know. I, I, ju- I just know we're going to get them at some point. And, and here they are. So they were kind of laughing at that. And I thought that was pretty amusing. Um I wanted to ask you, the Browns are very inexperienced, Joe. Uh, young team, probably for the majority of the team, with the exception of maybe five or six guys, the only playoff experience they have is last week. Uh, the Chiefs have been there, done that. How much of a factor is that in this game? I, I think that's always a factor, Brad. I, you know, but I think also the excitement and the energy is also a factor, you know, and, and not that the Chiefs are going to get complacent. Um, and that they're just like, well, we've already been there, done that. They're very, in, they're very uh, intent on running it back, and and you can see that emotion. They're not a team, 
you know, they, they want to be the first team since what was it 2003 or four when the Patriots did the back to back. I mean, it's been yes. a long time. It's really hard to do. And I think the chiefs are really dedicated to doing it. It was part of what, uh, you know, Brett Beach and, and Andy had made that commitment when they, you know, ended up besides, uh, Laurent, uh, Duvernay Tardif, you know, going to Canada to, you know, be a physician, which is, um, wow, wow, heroic was that, right? <laughs> um, yeah. Short of that, I mean, they had, you know, 21 to 22 starters on this team coming back. And so, you know, they were super intent on this. So I think, I don't think you're going to see sort of a complacency from the Chiefs, but I also think you're going to see a lot of energy from this Browns team. They are, they are super energized. And yeah. You you can't really put a price tag on that, and 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 I think that will overcome some of the experience, you know, inexperience, I should say, um, that they may have as far as it getting in the playoffs. Now, you know, if it gets down to where it's you know, it's twenty one to seventeen, and maybe the Browns have to make a drive to win the game, eighty or ninety yards. I mean, Baker Mayfield, and, and admittedly, probably so. I don't want to put words in his mouth. He's he's not Joe Montana yet. And he hasn't done, you know, what someone like a Joe Montana or Tom Brady has done. So, you know, that that might be something that might come into into play. But, you know, their energy is going to be really something I think the Chiefs are going to have to overcome early. And, uh, you know, I'm, 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 I think the Chiefs, I think you're going to see more run out of the Chiefs because, you know, from, from, from what I've known, what I've seen, and I know statistics don't paint the whole picture, but just statistic, statistically speaking, the Browns do have the worst defense you know, in, in the playoffs right now. No question. And, yeah, and, there's no question about from it. From a statistics perspective, I'm not saying they're bad defense, but just from a statistics perspective. So I think the Chiefs are going to do everything they can to take advantage of that and look for matchups that make sense. Um, you know, Patrick is really tough to get a hold of in the pocket. And even when the Chiefs have had struggles on their offensive line, it never really mattered. And I hate to say that as a former lineman because you want to think no. your position is the most important. They've had they've had some struggles up front, but you know, short of of not getting as much push in the run game, it never really affected Patrick because he has an unbelievable, uncanny way of finding the open space. I see a lot of that in Baker. Um, you know, where when when the protection breaks down, both mm-hmm. those guys can really find that open pocket right within within the pocket, and and I think that's what what Patrick does really well. So if you give him too many openings, if they get too many good matchups. You know, it could be, you know, it could be something where the Chiefs, you know, just keep pepper, pepper, pepper. And then yep. it's going to be, this, and then it is going to be the pass game, you know, yep. and because, you know, when you get behind two touchdowns against Kansas City, the run game kind of goes to the wayside. And we, we've seen it that, does. Often, you know, the Ravens, the Titans, other teams who've had, I was scared to death, right? Derrick Henry, you know, some of the things that the, the Ravens were doing in the run game last year. Anytime I would see other teams get behind, I'd be like, whoo, I'd like, just you know, wipe my brow and say thank goodness because the, the yeah. run does scare me against the Chiefs. But if you get behind, they're tough to keep pace with. Absolutely, you're absolutely right. That run game goes out the window, especially when it's Chiefs. You just feel that impending pressure to have to keep pace with them, and it's certainly something that weighs on teams. So, in my preparation, you were talking about some of the preparation you were doing. So, in my preparation, I went back to the the last game that they played. With their starters, which was Atlanta, I believe, and I watched that uh, Week 16 game, which was a back and forth kind of crazy game that Atlanta should have won mm. if he, if AJ Terrell doesn't intercept the ball and then lose it, and then and then they have a field goal to tie the game and they miss that too. Uh, Atlanta does, and the Chiefs win. Um, and they've played some close games more recently in the second half of the season here. Does that bother you at all, or are they just were they just kind of like? Uh, there's a guy in town that talk, when he talks about the Chiefs, he's like, "Ah, don't worry about it. They're playing with one hand behind their back until the playoffs, right? Uh, are they just kind of on cruise control until until it matters?" That's a, Brad, that's very astute. I, I saw. Um, I don't remember which person in the in the sports media it was talking about. He was he was throwing out that that concept that the Chiefs. You know that some of these close games were too close, right? Because they they're four and zero against playoff teams. Patrick is lights out against playoff teams. Yes. the four four playoff game playoff team games that that he's played in this year and won. Yeah, it's it. it you know, as a former player, it does scare me a little bit. I worry mm-hmm. about that because I've, we've Jeff 
Fedot and I have talked about this on our podcast like a lot. I I like when teams just put the gas pedal down and go, you know, and and you can't slow down. And and I see a little bit of that, you know, here I am kind of contradicting a little bit about what I was saying about this not being a complacent team, but they they do have a knack for letting teams hang around. And I don't you know, and that, that kind of goes back if you watch Andy's early part of his career in Philadelphia. Now, I live in Philadelphia, so um, yeah. I'm closer to Cleveland than I am to, yeah. to to Kansas City at this point physically. And 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 I did get to know Coach Reed while he was in Philadelphia and watching him and as a you know, former player going to events and things. And that was one of the things that I saw for some reason happens with Coach Reed is that teams like hang around. And, and it's like it's not that he doesn't have the killer instinct. It's not that the Chiefs don't have the killer instinct. Just looking at the scores of games, it happens. And that's my biggest fear is that the it's I hate to use this term, the luck is gonna run out. And somebody's gonna make that field goal, somebody's gonna make that catch or get that pick six or something at the end of the game. And the it's Chiefs just a weird bounce or yeah, something, they're, right? They're yeah. Gonna let it, they're gonna let it hang around too long and it's gonna come back to bite them. And and that's that does scare me a lot. And as a former player, you know, we we wanted to we wanted to just put teams away and and just keep going and and that's a, that's a that's a good thing for the browns cuz look they can obviously if you keep pace the game is within reach i don't care whatever the line is in vegas i don't care whatever anybody <laughs> says they are going to always be within reach of this game if they can just stay pace just keep pace and 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 take care of the ball yeah that that that's a big thing there the turnovers is the one thing that the Browns' defense has done this year, as you're right, they are probably the worst defense left in the playoffs, but they've been very opportunistic mm-hmm. at times, as you saw against the Steelers, and that's kind of what they've thrived on. And when they have gotten turnovers, they've scored on them and taken advantage of them, which has been really good. I wanted to ask you about this. Andy Reid, obviously legend, tremendous coach. Glad he got his Super Bowl last year. Great for him. Uh, we talk about time off and stuff like that him with two weeks to prepare he's got a stellar record it's you know he's been tremendous when he's had that amount of time prepare for a team but this is like three weeks Mm -hmm. um now is there any concern about russ three weeks off that's a long time to not be play a game for some of the starters or patrick mahomes and some of those guys that sat in week 17 or is especially in this year, rest is rest, and rest this year is gold, right? You know, yeah, as long uh, as everybody, as long as everybody <laughs> did the right thing from a social distance perspective, and with too much time off, you know, players weren't doing silly things, you know, and yeah, and, and getting around too many people and, and increasing their exposure levels to COVID. But here's an interesting thing that I've been thinking a lot about, Brad as it relates to to the way that football is today than it was when I played. And I sound like one of those people's like, oh, well, I, when I went to school, I walked a, I walked uphill both ways. And stuff, <laughs> right? I'm, I'm not saying that, that, that football was better. It's just different. But if you go back to the Marty era and you go back to all the coaches in the 90s, the, the majority of, of coaches – Work is what got you wins, right? Like there was a, there was a small school, the Bill Walsh school of like, hey, take it easy, lighten up, you know, be fresh for the game. But if you look at the majority of teams through the 80s, 90s, and maybe even in the early 2000s, the goal, the goal was work hard during the week, be ready for the game. I think the players today are so used to not playing games but being prepared and ready for games that I think that whole rust thing kind of it kind of doesn't really matter as much anymore. It, it doesn't have as much of, of an effect, I think, on um, on teams because they're so used to just watching film, doing walkthroughs, doing run-throughs, getting timing stuff down, and then being physically ready for the game. It's not it's not the era of old where you know you had to practice three days and then you know get ready for the game and hit 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 all the time. Now, if you yeah. had taken one of those teams and taken three weeks off, I think they would be rusty because they're so used to being grind, 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 be ready for the game. I don't know if I made sense. There's a lot of words I just threw out there, but no, that makes a lot of sense. Actually, it really does. I, I think, I think in this era, players are much better at adjusting to being off, and they're much better at you know being able to go out and play without a lot of practice um yeah 
but, but, you know, here I am, like I cover the chiefs and, and I played with the chiefs and I'm like, I worry, I worry a little bit about, um, you know, Patrick getting warmed up. If you watch yeah. games consistently, you know, some games he'll come out like fire and bam, bam, bam. But over time, if you broke down all the film of the games that he's played in so far, it does take him just a tad to get ready for the game. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it's just, it takes him a look up, maybe, maybe a couple of series, a quarter. They don't, the Chiefs aren't really too much of a fast strike team. They don't mm-hmm. generally score touchdowns on their first or second drives. They kind of get the lay of the land. Eric Bieniemy gets the playbook ready. He and Andy are conversing, and then bam, and then they try to unleash the beast. I, you know, I don't want that to happen against an energetic young team like the Browns. They, they got to; they're going to have to score early because don't, you don't want them to get into a a yep. team and 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 a Nick Chubb. You know, four yards, four yards, four yards, and just like next thing you know, it's like halfway through the second quarter. Maybe it's three nothing Chiefs or seven nothing Browns, and you're like, oh my god, guys! Like you can't this. Please can't let this happen, right? Chiefs fans. So, you know, those are the things I think fans are really going to have to to watch for in this game um, is to see how they, um, you know, how how they how they can get Patrick out of his game early and keep him from warming up. That that makes a lot of sense. And and your point to your point about the guys with the rust, it makes total sense. Especially, I mean, like look at the Browns last week, right? No practice. They had a, a one like one day of a half walkthrough practice at the end of the week, but the majority of everything they did was mental reps on Zoom, mm-hmm. and they went out and performed really well. So it's crazy that the can they've kind of conditioned today's athlete, especially in this year, has conditioned themselves to you know mental reps and things like that to stay prepared for games. So yeah, I, it's a really that's a really good point as opposed to kind of the approach. Uh, um, you know, 20 years ago, right? So exactly. Uh, uh, biggest question for Browns fans, and you're listening to All Eyes on Cleveland special guest Joe Valerio doing an awesome job tonight, breaking down everything Chiefs and Browns for us. He is the host of Believe on Chiefs on the Believe Podcast Network, uh, and he is a former Chief offensive lineman with a tremendous. I must say. I was I was blown away when I look at your statistics. Four four uh, passes caught, four touchdowns for well, you. you know, Brad, without you know, I'm trying to brag. I, I feel like I was Chris Carter before Chris Carter was Chris Carter. Amazing! I, I All he does is catch touchdowns, right? And I only had 193 to go to catch Jerry Rice. Um, but no, I I all kidding aside, I lived every lineman's dream. I mean, that was a fantastic role to fill. I was so Pretty lucky cool. to, to be you know. To, to be the, the wide receiver uh, for the Chiefs. And um, I had a blast doing it. It was great. It was started out as a as a, as a, as a Joe Montana. I'm going to make this big, fat guy look really silly <laughs> on a play. He threw the ball at me, and I caught it. And Paul Hackett comes running over, and he's like, Joe, you can catch the ball. And, you know, I played catcher and basketball. I played catcher and baseball, and, and I played basketball. So, yeah, decent hands for a lineman. And, and he said, you're going to catch a touchdown pass this season. And that was 1993 in Joe's first year there in Kansas City. And I said, wow, this West Coast offense really does open things up uh, <laughs> when linemen are scoring. And we made a thing of it. You know, we made a run at it. And, uh, you know, we had a lot of fun with it. It was it was really, really a fun. And, and, and it was in some big games. I got to score against the Raiders, which every Chiefs, you know, that's you want to beat the Raiders, yeah. right? That's the dream come true. You know, I got to catch a touchdown against uh, Joe Montana's uh, shootout with with Steve Young uh, in '94 against the 49ers. I got Amazing. to Monday night against the Broncos and that Monday night shootout that Joe won in the last seconds of the game. Uh, you know, so I got to score in some really, really cool, memorable games. It was a great treat and something I, I will I will always treasure. And I'm gonna I'll tell you, I gotta tell you, Brad, I will always treasure my my trip to. To Cleveland, it was interesting because it was it was in November of '91, and my rookie season, and I was injured, and I was a game. I, inj- I got injured that week. Uh, I got injured actually the week before in the game, and then I was game time decision. So, you know, Marty, you know, we got to the field. He said, "Look, trainer, take Joe out, see how he's doing. If he's thumbs up, we'll dress him. If not, we'll inactivate him." And I had yeah. some problems, and so I went out, did a workout, was fine, and. Trainers came in, gave coach a thumbs up. <laughs> what happened was the equipment manager it was Old Municipal Stadium, right? And back then, Municipal Stadium just had hooks on the wall for the visiting team. It was classic. I felt so really, <laughs> and and so, but the, but the equipment guys didn't think I was playing because it was all the talk that I was going to be inactive that week. So they didn't 
prepare me a hook or a locker. So, so, so Bill Moss, who was one of our veterans who, who actually grew up in a town right next, next door here in Philly, he took a Coke a refrigerator. It was like a Gatorade Coke refrigerator. He opened it up. He taped my number on it, threw all my equipment in the Coke refrigerator. <laughs> so I got to use, I got to use uh, the Coke refrigerator at Municipal Stadium as a locker, but it was, it was That's a really awesome. memorable game. And, and it was, like I said, it was really fun to come back and come back to Marty's stomping grounds and see the dog pound that I grew up, you know, watching. And it just, yep. uh, it was a thrill of a lifetime to, to get to do that in, in Cleveland, especially, you know, to go there with coach Schottenheimer. So yeah, a lot of fun yeah. memories of, of Cleveland for sure. Very cool. Very cool. It's, that's awesome that uh, you had uh, Marty as your coach and certainly he's thought very fondly of by uh, a lot of people here in Cleveland, so that's pretty cool, too. Uh, there's a lot of uh, storylines in this game, and I want to get to that. That'll be the, my last thing here for you. But my my biggest question I wanted to ask you, and I'm going to get kind of schematic here with you. So I, um, the how to stop Patrick Mahomes, mm-hmm. or the best approach to stop Patrick Mahomes. So A... You, there's a connection here. Joe Woods uh, got ready for two weeks last year as the defensive backs coach for the 49ers mm-hmm. to face these very same Chiefs in the Super Bowl mm-hmm. under uh, Sala, and they ran that Seattle cover three press bail uh, that they ran like 90% of the time, right? Mm-hmm. And then got burnt on on the infamous, you know, uh, 22 jet wasp or 22 jet wasp that you know back into the into the void area that the that they vacated there for hill and he kind of waited for that ball forever on that infamous third down that they end up going on to win the super bowl but that defense uh joe woods has brought to cleveland they don't run it all the time but it's in their arsenal right they run some of that cover three and uh, for three quarters, San Francisco did a pretty good job holding down the Chiefs with with that uh, coverage and that scheme. The Chargers this year employed deployed that same scheme, and I think they held the Chiefs to like twenty points mm-hmm. in a pretty good game. Good and uh, watched the film breakdown on that game, and 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 so that defense has a record of having some success against the Chiefs. And Joe Woods has a record of playing the Chiefs and preparing for him for two weeks and losing in the Super Bowl to him. So he's familiar with a lot of the things that they do. So I don't know if they'll go that route. But seeing the Chargers be successful with it is certainly a a reference point to go back to. To me, the other way in doing my research that has sort of worked because you can't really stop the Chiefs or stop Patrick Mahomes. You're just trying to slow him down a little Mm -hmm. bit, right? The other way would be the New England way, and that would be to dare them to run the ball, light boxes, you know, um, exotic, different-looking, unconventional fronts, you know, daring them to run the ball a lot, and in playing a lot of coverage – mixing coverages up often to try to just just give different looks to Mahomes uh, and dare them to run the ball against you. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what, you know, I think that uh, New England's approach was, or Belichick's approach has been simplified a lot, obviously. Mm -hmm. A lot of his coverages have, you know, He's got guys where he can, you know, do like little robber stuff here and there, and they they're very exotic in their coverages in, in New England. So certainly that is more effective for them. But if you had to choose which of the two you think would be more effective against Patrick Mahomes after you know you've seen the Super Bowl, I'm sure you saw the Chargers game, and I'm sure you remember the the games against New England. What do you think is the best way to approach trying to slow down Mahomes and this juggernaut of Kelsey and Hill and uh, Edwards Hilaire or Le'Veon Bell? Go ahead. Yeah, that, that's great, Brad. That's great analysis and, and great look at, at all the d- types of defenses that have been successful or and some probably that have not been successful against the mm-hmm. Chiefs. Um, you know, I'm, I the, the way that I, I sort of see it happening for the Browns, if, if they're going to do it, is I, I'm a big fan of, of, of what a lot of people will, will call this, you know, it's not a new defense, but we ran it when I was in high school and when I was coaching high school football, um, I coached for 11 years. We, we ran the same defense. We called it the four, two, five. And, and, and what we did is we, we, we sort of, 
we sort of dare teams to run the ball at us, right? By by bringing having five defensive backs or five defensive back types, right? One one of those was generally a pretty quick linebacker type. So in essence, it was it was a four three defense, but you know we called it a four two five because that one extra player was definitely a little bit more athletic than your typical middle or outside linebacker. So I think the more people you have from, you know, eight yards of coverage dropping back, the better you're going to do against this team. No one's going to, no one's going to play man against this team. They're too fast. They're too big with Kelsey as the post. I call him the post up man. Use a basketball analogy, right? You get him posting up and you got players with the speed because what the chiefs do is, you know, as fans will watch them, they they not only use their speed vertically, they use it horizontally, right? They they yep. the field horizontally just as much as they do vertically. Yeah, biggest plays come when you know you get Tyreek Hill going just eight nine yards, going straight across the field as fast as he possibly can. So nobody's going to run man against him. So I think the more different colored jerseys you have back there for Patrick to try to pick out and who's who. I think the better chance you're going to have. And then the next step after you've you've you know you've played that cover 3 or you've played that 425 like nickel type package and you're daring them to run is what I would call a mush rush. I think I think you a traditional rush against Patrick seems to be sometimes ineffective. The Saints did it. You know, the Saints the Saints really baffled Patrick for most of the game by rushing in a way that was almost like old school, like colonial war, right? Like the, the British <laughs> versus the Revolutionary war, Army, like where they just kind of marched their defensive linemen up the field. And they tried to take away those little pockets that Patrick could kind of pop up into and yeah. that extra little bit of time, right? Because he does have great vision. But if you take away that extra little pocket and you can methodically rush him and get up in his face and not give him and get that push – and not mm-hmm. give him that look like you know the traditional rush right picture the the two tackles and then your guard and center and picture the two defensive end types going rushing up the field and, and creating that bow and around yeah you what happens is if you go too deep on Patrick he's gonna he's gonna scooch up over the tap you know where the tackle washes the guy past he's gonna get that extra little second he's gonna find Kelsey he's gonna find somebody horizontally or vertically stretching the defense and he's gonna pick he's gonna find it but if you mm-hmm. march the defensive line up the field yeah look I'm no defensive line coach defensive corner I don't know how to teach that or coach it but when I see plays that break down for the Chiefs on offense it's when you take you've taken away that little pocket for Patrick to move up in and get that extra second half a second for him to, to to let that team use their speed, and once you do that, that's where he's most effective. And and I think if you you know if you if he if if the if the defensive coordinators can can find a way to combine those two things, a lot of bodies deep, you know, six eight yards back, and and and, and in a zone type, uh, you know, configuration with sort of a mush rush. Let's forget about sacking Patrick Mahomes. Let's not worry yeah. about sacking him. Let's yeah. try to methodically move that offensive line back into his face and don't let him have that step up. Because once he gets that, he's, you know, because he, he's, he's, he's great on the edge, but he's not like, he's, you know, he's not Lamar Jackson on the edge. So right. you can just, you know, if, if a defensive end is, is going against the tackle and all of a sudden Patrick breaks to roll out, a, a good defensive end can shed that tackle and go get him mm-hmm. and get him face. You just mm-hmm. you just can't let him break the containment. But if you can kind of stay there with him and mirror him, almost it's almost like four guys mirroring him. Really, if you think about yeah, it, yeah, absolutely think, right. I think that gives the Browns a good chance to to shut him down a little bit, and then they'll force him to run. And then it's up to what you know, whatever Clyde Edwards-Alaire or Le'Veon Bell can do. So, you know, and 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 the Chiefs have a good line. They have, you know, I love their line. I love what Andy yeah. has done as their coach. You know, former player, Bears standout and great. You know, but they're not, you know, they're not the old hogs from, you know, the old Washington days either that can just mash you, you know. So, yeah. so uh, you know, those are, those are the things I think about, Brad. If I were a defensive coordinator, I would try to do. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. You know, against Mahomes, you can't – I think of Miles Garrett and every, you know, every time mm-hmm. it's a third and long, you know, you just see him go flying past the quarterback and he's just trying to bend back. And you just can't do that with Mahomes because – you just open up running lanes. You open up lanes where he can step up and throw the ball. Mm-hmm. And at, to your point about man-to-man, 
Browns learned the hard way against Lamar Jackson trying to play man-to-man. Same thing with Patrick Mahomes. If you got corners and safeties and guys turning their heads the other way, Mahomes is going to run. The right. same thing with same with thing with Lamar Jackson. So it's just something you can't really do against quarterbacks that way. This day and age is play a lot of man. You know, maybe sprinkle it in, but if you do it a lot, you're going to have a hard time and rushing up the field like that. Like you said, it has to almost be a controlled rush. Mm-hmm. You call it the mush rush, but it really has to be controlled and stay in front of him. Yeah, and. Uh, it's not about the sack. You're absolutely right. And yeah, uh, get, so get that out of their mind. Hey, hey, interesting hey, Brad, stuff. A quick question. Like, what do you think? You know, something I've been thinking about and, and being, you know, in Cleveland and Cleveland fan. How about these two teams that John Dorsey built, right? I mean, I've been thinking. Unbelievable. About, you know, I mean, really, he was Unbelievable. The behind most of these teams' success. I mean, you know, Brett Veach has done a great job of putting the, the, the cherry on top in Kansas City. But, you know, John Dorsey's got a big stake in this game coming up this week. I thought that was a pretty cool thing I was thinking about this week. He, he does, and that was the last thing I was going to bring up is the storylines of this game. And, and so you mentioned the Holmes Mayfield, and my second one was John Dorsey Bowl. Oh, no, you're so, sorry, you know, I didn't mean to take that. To no, go. you're good. You're good. But he talk about that pre-show. How about that? Yeah, no, no, yeah, great minds, right? Think alike. Uh, and so, but yeah, for sure, he create. I mean, for the Browns. It was the start of this turnaround. I mean, he, the talent that is on this team now was mostly Dorsey, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, good drafts. Uh, Jarvis Landry, I think, is one of their biggest uh, acquisitions they've had as far as a culture guy. That was John Dorsey, um, and uh, he, he had done a, done a lot for both. I mean, if he sits back and watches this game, he's got to be kind of like, wow, man, I'm I'm the man, right? Look right. at all this talent. <laughs> Crazy. Uh it's it's odd that he neither doesn't have a job at either place. I guess that right. says uh, one thing about you know you kind of got to the old. NFL. It's only one aspect of the job, right? It's how the NFL is. So not for long. That's what. Uh, yeah. <laughs> not for that or Jerry Glanville. I can't remember who said it. Not not for long. Yeah. So John Dorsey certainly a storyline here. Uh, you mentioned Kareem Hunt, highly motivated. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned the Mahomes Mayfield, and then there's 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 little smaller storylines like Mitchell Schwartz and Terrence Money Mitchell on, on on the Brown side. So there's a lot of there's a lot of little layers to this game. I think it's really interesting. The two teams haven't played each other a ton in the past years, so it makes for a, a really good matchup. Uh, I I was sh- I was a little I must admit I was a little surprised at the line at 10 uh yeah. but hey you know uh and i do think it'll be a high scoring game they got it at 57 and a half i think that's probably pretty accurate um what do you think here is we'll kind of wind things down what do you kind of think as far as uh prediction wise I, I i figure that you probably think the chiefs are going to win but uh, what do you think as far as you think the Browns can hang around in this thing? Or, oh, I, or? I, I know the Browns can hang around this thing. I, I just, just looking back historically at what other teams this year have done against the Chiefs, you know, you get to that point where you're the defending Super Bowl champ and everybody puts the bullseye on you and, you mm-hmm. know, teams are going to come after you. They're going to be think the Browns have been thinking about this, you know, game, you know, probably, you know, obviously they weren't looking past the Steelers, but you know, they're thinking. You think about these things and getting an opportunity to knock the champs off. And and I think absolutely the Browns are going to hang with this team. I think ten is way too much for this line. I, I absolutely would take the Browns. Uh, you know, putting money on this game. I think it's going to be a touchdown game. I think if the Browns win this game, it's going to be you know by a field goal at the end. If if the Chiefs win it, it's going to be by a touchdown just because they have a little bit more firepower to outpace the Browns at this point in, in both teams' journey, right? The, both teams are on a different journey. The, the Chiefs have, like I said, a re, they did not do any rebuilding. It's it's a run-it-back team, you know, 20 of 22 starters to start the, game, the year with. And that was their goal, was to do that, to take what the formula that they had last year and to build on it. And Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has been a fantastic addition. You know, Le'Veon Bell's proved very, very valuable down the stretch here. So, you know, I think they, they just have a little bit more firepower, to be honest, and being totally objective and not being just, you know, Chief-centric. Um, but I absolutely know that the Cleveland Browns can hang in this game and the Cleveland Browns can win this game if yeah. they just hold on to the ball and Baker makes really good decisions and they can keep pace 
and and they can guess what to do against Patrick to keep him from from lighting up the scoreboard and 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 keep let the Browns continue to run the ball. You know, whatever they can do to, to, to win the time of possession and run the ball, I think that would be a big benefit for them. I think it's going to be a great game. I'm really, really excited about this game. I think it's two storied AFC teams with a lot of history, a lot of connections. Yep. And uh, I think it's going to be a great game for both fans uh, either way. A lot, lot of great players on the field. You know, Chris Jones on one side, Miles Garrett on the other, mm-hmm. the wide receivers, the, you know, uh, quick, quick, quick question for you. Um, is Hilaire going to play? You know, I guess it's going to be game time, I guess. You know, okay. they'll, they'll, they'll see what, what's going to happen. And, uh, uh-huh. you know, it's, it's, he's a big part of, of what they've been doing, right? He was a perfect fit. He was a perfect addition. I think he was. You know, everybody said, oh, man, what a steal in the last pick of the first round. And I think that was the guy they would have taken. I, I really do. I'm, I'm not just saying that. I think they would have taken him if, if the Chiefs had the 15th pick. You yeah, know, for some reason, if they, you know, for because of a trade or something, I think he because I think of of the running they needed the running back, and he was the perfect fit for what Eric Bieniemy and Andy Reid wanted to do with this offense. So I think it, it wasn't just because they had the last pick they took him. I think if he would have been the twentieth pick, if they had the twentieth pick, and and I think um, you know, I, you know, for Chiefs fans, I hope he plays, and you know, if he doesn't, you know, that's why they got some good depth with Le'Veon, and and I think they'll you know be able to maximize that too. You, you do you think Le'Veon uh, Le'Veon Bell has looked has how has he looked to you? Has he looked uh, fresh, good? I mean, I know he's not the same as he was in his in his prime, but he's he still look in the Atlanta game. He looked good, you know. Uh, so yeah. he's solid. Uh, he's he's solid, yeah. Brad. I mean, he's he's you know he's not you know he's not uh, you know gonna put up the production numbers that Derrick Henry's gonna put up. He's not the beast that he was, you know several years ago, but you know what? He's good. He's solid. He's, he came in with a whole new attitude, you know, and, 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 the, and the chiefs organization, you know, much like what you see with the Browns and what Kevin Stefanski's building, you know, if there was ever an organization, you know, and, and I look at from the Browns perspective too, you know, and bringing in Kareem Hunt and some of the things that had happened in his personal life and, you know, with Baker and different things and some of the swagger on and off the field and things like that. Yeah. There are two, there are two teams that have a culture that that really minimizes a lot of that, I think, and and I think you know just because of the history of the Browns and the history of the Chiefs and the ownership and the family and all the people that are involved in this organization, I see that culture changing in Cleveland and what Kevin's doing. Definitely. Um, you know, when when Le'Veon Bell, you know, everybody was thinking, oh boy, here we go, Le'Veon Bell coming in Kansas City. What's he going to do? How's it going to be handled? He he's he's done a great job, and the Chiefs. The Chiefs have a chemistry culture that they minimize that kind of behavior and they don't really tolerate it. You're either going to come there, perform like the rest of them, or yep. you're not going to be part of it. And and I think that's what – I think the Browns are building that. It sure seems like it. You know, mm-hmm. it sure seems like they're building a culture there that's going to take them farther and further each year that they continue to build on that. And as Baker gets more experience, they sure – you know, if the Browns shore up the defense a little bit next year with a pick or two or maybe a trade or free agent – you know, I think these two teams are going to be facing each other for many, many years to come in the playoffs, and and I'm I'm really excited about it because they're two fantastic um, organizations. Hey, from uh, from your mouth, right? Let's uh, let's hope so. That that that'd be fantastic, and uh, we're all hoping for the same thing. It, it's going to be a lot of fun. You know, I feel like the Browns um, kind of playing with house money a little bit at this point. Yeah. They're they're a year early and. And there's kind of something scary about a team that that's playing free and easy, uh, and really so. Uh, but but it'll be a fun game no matter what. It, you know the the Chiefs just scare me just just in general just because they're just so they're just so explosive and it happens like that. You know, it's like you think you're in it and it just happens like that and they have it. So it'll be a blast. You know what, Joe? Uh, you've been one of my favorite guests we've ever had on the show. Yeah, just so intelligent, obviously, and uh, tremendous uh, breakdown of everything, and uh, really just uh, generally a nice guy. So, Joe, thank you so much for coming on. Very nice, uh, it's been say, fantastic. Really good chatting with you, boy. You had you were so prepared. You had all the great data and stats and, and breakdown <laughs> and film, and you know it's fantastic. You really do a great job with the show, and 
you know, Cleveland's lucky to have you. And, and I think, uh, you know, it's, it's like I said, it's going to be a really fun game. And I, like I said, these two teams are going to be seeing each other as long as they can hold, you know, what they have together for a while, we'll be seeing each other for a long time. So happy to join in anytime. Thanks, Joe. Uh, we'll be in touch. Okay. Uh, right, thank cool. you so much for coming on the show. You got it, buddy. Take care. back after that short break uh, tremendous guest tonight Joe Valerio former NFL offensive lineman for the Kansas City Chiefs tremendous breakdown analysis was fantastic he I mean what a great guy right I, those Ivy League guys I don't even know man those guys are great they're uh, running the Browns perfectly he's coming on the show gentlemen wonderful guy Craig, uh, with a couple of comments over here, uh, see what we got here. Personality is welcome. Production is required. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, as that was, uh, I think that might have been a Freddie saying, to be honest. Uh, and then uh, that's not coffee. Okay, very good. And then uh, Logan, State Farm versus Progressive. So he's referring to, uh, Logan referring to the... Uh, you know, the storylines in this game. So the Mahomes uh, Mayfield also, State Farm versus Progressive. If you've got a uh, got some uh, skin in the game there, depending on who uh, insures you, your home and your car, home and auto. Uh, could have asked Joe about some insurances. He is a big uh, insurance man now uh, in the insurance industry. Uh, I know he has... Uh, moved on to a very successful career in, in insurance. So, uh, But uh, Joe is a tremendous guest. What breakdown on everything Mahomes and the Chiefs. And uh, I truly met that. What a genuinely nice guy and uh, wonderful uh, breakdown. It couldn't do any better for divisional weekend. Uh, you know, he was great. So everything we wanted to know about Mahomes, all the questions about the Chiefs, will they be ready? All that stuff. We talked about all the storylines going back. Uh, let's see what we got here. A couple things I wrote down here just to go over quickly. Um, real quick, uh, before I get into this final segment here, the podcast will be available where all popular podcasts are found. Uh, Blue Wire Hustle presents All Eyes on Cleveland. Um, and uh, that's uh, uh, available everywhere, Apple, Spotify, TuneIn, uh, all that stuff. Also, uh, you can watch it, obviously, on the simulcast here on YouTube, Periscope, Facebook Live. Um, and, and once again, thanks to uh, uh, Joe Valerio for uh, hopping in with us tonight, uh, host of Leave in Chiefs podcast and former chief offensive lineman uh, for during the uh, for five years or so with Marty Schottenheimer as his coach, nineteen ninety one to ninety six. He's in the Penn uh, Hall of Fame. Uh, knows Stefanski very well as as coach went to Penn also. Uh, so I asked him about the Seattle Cover Three, the press bail versus the Belichick approach, right? Uh, of daring teams to run. Uh, he talked a, a little bit about the, you know, like the the four two five look, uh, and he kind of even mentioned the Viper or the hybrid guy that you would use in that situation, i.e. a Ronnie Harrison that maybe can uh, cover Kelsey. Big questions, people talking about, 
how are they going to cover Hill? How are they going to cover Kelsey? I don't think you'll see Denzel Ward follow him from side to side. I think that they will play mostly zone, mix in with a little man here and there, depending on what they have. They they're schematically the Chiefs are very um how do I say this? Opportunistic that way. So when they see what like there's certain things they're looking for and if they see what they want, they're gonna you'll see them take those shot plays. Uh, they'll be looking for little nuances in the defense, like, oh, oh, we got this. We know what we're doing here. And they're they're very conditioned that way as they have tremendously coached offensively, obviously, by, uh, you know, Andy Reid. So um, I think that probably what you'll see from the Browns is more of uh, the zone um, contain rush, Try not to have to blitz anybody. Try to get home with four and put as many bodies back there as you can in maybe that cover three or a four, two, five type look, uh, whatever zone you want to do. You know, the cover three, uh, Seattle cover three press bill has had some success against them, as we've mentioned before, uh, via the Chargers and San Francisco last year. So Joe Woods, you know, Got to remember, he spent two weeks preparing for this very team in the Super Bowl. Um, so he has a lot of experience. He's probably watched a lot of tape. He got asked about it in his presser today and uh, said that he really hasn't watched that actual Super Bowl, but would go back and uh, watch um, some of the, uh, you know, some other tape of the Chiefs as some personnel has changed. And obviously, Joe Wood's whole defense has changed since then. You know, it would be nice to have uh, Sherman out there on, uh, and maybe, uh, I don't even know, what's his name? Uh, Tart, Jaquaski, Tart, or whatever his name is. Uh, it would be nice to have those guys back there on Sunday uh, from the San Francisco 49ers. Those guys are some good secondary players that he had to at his uh, disposal last year. All right, winding things down here uh, on All Eyes on Cleveland. Massive game on Sunday. You know, as I mentioned to Joe, the Browns are kind of playing with house money at this point. Uh, it, they're a year ahead, in my opinion. Now, my old partner... <laughs> Scott Dryden used to talk about all the time about how there's no carryover. But if you look at this Chiefs team, they're kind of like the epitome of the opposite of that as they went to the AFC Championship game, lost, came back, went there again, won, went to the Super Bowl. So they've kind of proved that wrong is that you can just progress, get better, make the next step. And that's kind of what the Browns are trying to do at this point. But there is something to seizing that moment as you don't know when you're going to be back here again. So, you know, I have so much confidence in Stefanski's ability to game plan at this point. He's just kind of in a groove where, like, if you gave him anybody enough tape and enough time, he's going to put together a hell of a game plan. And uh, I just think that that is... Uh, you know, should give us all uh, a good amount of confidence going into this game on Sunday. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I'm sure everybody's fired up. Hopefully you enjoyed our content this week here on All Eyes on Cleveland, and especially uh, we'll cut, do some cut-ups cut of uh, last night with Jeff Risden, uh, more of a recap on the game, uh, the, the uh, shocking the world over the Steelers, and then tonight with Joe Valerio of Believe in uh, Chiefs and uh, former Chief Offensive Lineman joined us, and he was terrific. Uh, so we'll do some cut-ups cut on that, too, and get those out. Easy to watch uh, on YouTube or whatever uh, platform you're watching on. You can also find All Eyes on Cleveland um, on all uh, podcast platforms, wherever popular podcasts are found we're gonna get that winner of the browns is the browns t-shirt will be announced uh tomorrow on twitter i'm told 
So Mikey is telling me we have a winner. It will be announced tomorrow on Twitter. We will get your information. Uh, so and uh, send you the T-shirt. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, if you entered the contest to win the Browns is the Browns T-shirt. Uh, so uh, pay attention for that. Uh, Thank you all for tuning in. Uh, I hope you enjoyed tonight's interview, yesterday's interview. hope we got you properly prepared for this weekend's epic game against the Chiefs. Go Browns, baby. It's a big one, but it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, Blue Wire Hustle, thank you so much uh, for presenting the show. All eyes on Cleveland for Mikey. My name is Brad Ward. Go Browns, baby. They can do it. I'm telling you. Stefanski can do it. We are out.